The goal is that women, Canadian women entrepreneurs, run wildly successful businesses. That means they have the resources to do so. And the resources include everything from education, community, capital. They have what they need to be able to do so. And that's not to say we are the only place for it or the only conduit for it, but we're able to help support them with that and facilitate that happening for them. So when we design our programs, every single one of our programs, we look from an impact metric perspective. So we say, if we run E-Series, how will we define success for this? How will we be able to say this program was successful? That is not one of the metrics for that is not X number of people attended. The metrics of success for that are, as a result of this, how many more women was this, how many more jobs was this, is this business able to create? What is the revenue growth? How much capital, capital did they raise as a consequence of it? Would they recommend someone to take this program? Yo, what's going on, Movement Family, Think Space Family? Hey, guys, I'm proud of you guys getting through the movement challenge. That's amazing. You know, I got through it, too. You know, me and me and Tracy, we got through it every day in the apartment, getting it done. And uh, I wanted to quit a couple times. I can't lie. Uh, you know, Mark's over here doing bonus rounds and stuff. It's tough. It's tough out here. Anyways, I know you guys are strengthening your bodies and, uh, you know, now strengthening your minds and, and getting more informed. So today on the podcast, we have Paulina Cameron. Paulina Cameron is the CEO of FWE Forums for Women Entrepreneurs. Now, uh, she also founded YWIB. Uh, women, uh, young women in business. She also uh, led Futurepreneur for a number of years. She also wrote Canada uh, 150 Women, uh, which is just an amalgamation of the most inspirational and incredible women in Canada. Anyways, that doesn't even do her justice. Um, Paulina is an expert on motherhood, on on setting boundaries, on um, being a CEO while being pregnant, um, while just killing it um, as a mom and as a as an executive, and she's someone that is most definitely knows a ton about small business and and everything going on right now with COVID and how to support um, young businesses and how to support female entrepreneurs. Uh, she's a plethora of wealth. I, I don't know how else to put it, um, and it's incredible to hear from her. Uh, we took a couple left turns and right turns in the conversation, and I got curious about parental dynamics and and different types of things but we figured it out and um and we really got into the into the nuts and bolts into the tactics and and we also had we played in the clouds a little bit and we talked philosophy and paradigms and mindsets and yeah man it's it's just a great pod like i haven't been i I don't know i'm just really excited about this pod and you're like man josh you don't sound that excited that's because that's just who i am man honestly I'm really, really excited to bring this podcast to you, and I hope that um, you guys feel as good about it as I do about it. So anyways, without further ado, everybody, here is Paulina Cameron. The Think Space podcast is a home for the passionately curious. We aim to dig deep and learn as much as possible by connecting the right questions with the right people. So we bring in some of the best minds in the Pacific Northwest, regardless of their industry, to extract the most value from their stories and experiences. Yes, you're going to get something from this episode, which is good. Or you could get something from every episode we release by subscribing on whichever platform you're listening on. You could find the full show notes at thinkspacepodcast.com or have the visual experience of this podcast over on YouTube. If you want to get looped into some exclusive content or private giveaways, join our mailing list. The link's in the description. 
Paulina, thank you so much for joining me on the Think Space podcast. I appreciate your time. What is going on in your world? Hey, Joss, so good to be on here. Thanks for having me. My world is full of businesses, women, and babies. <laughs> That's awesome. What a world to live in. <laughs> um, amazing. This is uh, far overdue. Uh, you know, we've we've had you in our sights for quite some time, um, but I'm actually really, really glad that we didn't do this earlier and that we're doing this now because damn, is it applicable. Um, so I, I appreciate your expertise and what you're bringing to the table here. I wanted to ask you right right out of the gate here to maybe give us a little bit of a, some context and some background um, of FWE and the function that you serve, the role that you serve right now. Great question. So we are an organization that has existed for 18 years. So we've been around a while. We're based physically in Vancouver, or at least currently we are. And we support women entrepreneurs from across the entire country in running wildly successful businesses. However, they are defined for themselves. And when I think about the work that we are doing right now, I think about how what we are doing now has has been what we have always been doing. The format of it and the, the how of it just looks different. And at its very base, it's supporting women entrepreneurs to bring to life the visions for their business and help them be resilient in doing so. It's equipping them with the education they need, the community they need, the, um, the connections, the mentorship, the advice, the things that go around it to make it all come to life. How we're doing it right now is a little bit different as it is for pretty much everyone I know, uh, but the what and the values behind it, you know, the values and philosophies of leave no woman behind, the values of um, running a wildly successful business on your terms, integrative of your life, those are all still true. I love it, oh my gosh. Um, what are, what are your personal motivations in this? And when I say, like, I look at your background and I'm like, okay, you have YWIB, you have Young Women in Business, you have Futurepreneur, you have, you know, the YWCA, you have uh, Canada 150 Women, you have, um, you know, Government of BC, uh, was it Small Business Council Roundtable? Small Business Roundtable, yeah. And I'm like, holy, <laughs> this woman is built for this damn role. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of jobs you could have take, uh, taken. And, and for context, you've been in this role for what, a year, two years now? Yeah, a year, not quite a year and a half, almost. Right. So I'm sure there's a plethora of opportunities for you at that time. And there continues to be. What is it about FWE for you that you place so much value and put so much energy and time and effort into it? Women entrepreneurs are my heroes. And I think, uh, you know, the quote of love the work that you do, you never work a day in your life. Eh, not entirely true. There are some hard <laughs> days and you work your um, you work your butt off. And does it feel ridiculously rewarding at the end of the day? And does it feel really connected to my values? And does it align with what I believe in? And does it align with a future that I can get behind? Yes. So all of those things are definitely uh, ticked off. You know, I took the role when I was five months pregnant. No questions or considerations about uh, whether a five-month pregnant CEO makes sense or not. The questions were around, how do we make this happen? What do we do? How do we support the team? The team is phenomenal. Uh, getting to work with them is such a pleasure and delight every day. So those are those are the reasons why I'm here is because I know that together we can create the future that we want to create. And I get to work with one of women entrepreneurs who are in that same boat and have that same philosophy. 
This episode is brought to you by Self Hired. Self Hired, if you don't know, is a content studio that specializes in video production as well as photography and yes, podcast production. So if you are an individual or you are a head of a company or a marketing manager or a content manager at a company that's thinking about one of the most powerful mediums in 2020 and want to start a podcast, uh, give the fellas over at Self Hired um, a call that you can reach them at selfhired.com um, or info at selfhired.com if you want to blast them an email. Thank you guys so much. And here's to the episode. Okay, pause for a second. You took the job when you're five months pregnant? It's the second time I've taken a job when pregnant. My husband jokes that we need to have another baby solely for my job opportunities. The sure. last one, but I was eight months pregnant, so this felt like a breeze. Okay, so, okay. So, so what did eight and nine months pregnant look like for you at FWE? Like, how the heck? Like, I would like I have no idea and no context on what it's like to be giving birth and in the last final months of pregnancy and the first you know couple months after that while being a ceo of a national organization what the heck is that like it is you you get really comfortable with people seeing your feet a lot because i'd be kicking my shoes off a lot (laughs) okay all right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so when i was so with a month to go so my daughter was born may 20th and okay. april april 24th 26th last year we ran our e-series which is a three-day immersive business program it's one of the tenants of of all the programs that we run it's incredible 60 women come together and spend three days working on their business instead of just in it you spend morning evening day all together you learn from other entrepreneurs we have experts come in there's pitching there's deep diving there's mind share there's mentorship it's all of it it is so intense I was so pregnant. The photos from it from last year are ridiculous. And I spent half the time barefoot because that's what we could do it. However, what it is, what is also true about that time, and I feel this way about motherhood, I feel this way about pregnancy and giving birth, is that it just unlocks a superpower of focus, of honesty, of clarity, of caring about the things that actually truly do matter. It is to me, I consider it such a superpower, an exhausting one at times, and a really, really clarifying and focusing one. So that was my experience with it. And I will say the biggest asterisk though around that is the support that comes with it. I have a partner who's a full-on equal parent as I am. He's actually the primary uh, parent in our household right now and a team who gets it. I mean, it's a team of seven women of whom half are also mothers. So the conversations in our office are always integrative of all of that. We ask how potty training is going. Did your kids sleep through the night last <laughs> night or do you need me to get a coffee? Those are all part of the narrative that gets woven into that. Okay, I'm about to go down a rabbit hole and my <laughs> podcast host, Joss, is going, Joss, don't freaking go there. But Are you about to ask real, me about potty training? <laughs> real Joss is going to go there. No, actually, I will. But maybe that's a conversation off camera. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I really wanted to ask, so context here is I, I grew up in a single parent home and I grew up in a home where I was never home. So the idea of parenting is this like weird concept to me. And I didn't have great parents by traditional standards or whatever. And I'm curious, and and part as we talk about, you know, building a future that we want to create and why women are marginalized, these different types of things and and what's created systematically. I I really want to ask you, and this is just off the whim, is like, well, 
how do we how do you see parenting from um a gender roles perspective in 2020 what should that look like and i'm coming into this with no conceived notions mm. first of all i will say whenever i hear the word like what should this be i i get right. this visceral reaction of no shoulds don't should all over this because okay, everyone's situation is yeah. different right about anything about right. anything so i think first or, of all may, it's may what, what i apologize yeah no it's okay Can, yeah how, how should we th- how should we think about this because i don't even know how to think about it and i think it depends if you're asking the question how do we think about it at systemically versus how do we think about it individually or maybe it's not even different let me go with my train of thought here uh my husband and I were having a conversation. And so he's been the stay-at-home parent since October. I went back to work when my daughter was five months old. And he, we were talking about what are the things about the COVID circumstances right now, particularly about the forced work from home and presence on that front, that have served us well. So a lot of Am I allowed to swear? A lot of this all is Absolutely. just shit, right? So it's just there's so much awful happening right now. And... There are things that we have been forced to consider and reevaluate and adapt to that probably are serving us. And maybe we want to reconsider even in a world going forward to preserve those. And so we were talking about that. And he said, you know, for the first time, I am having different and truer and realer conversations with other men, because even if they're not the primary stay at home, they are at home now and they are with their kids and they are doing lunch in the middle of the day at home and around that. And so one of the tenets of this conversation of parenting, I think, needs to be that none of this equality will ever shift or change if it doesn't shift or change for men. If the expectations of them doesn't shift or change, if what we hold them um, capable of doesn't shift or change, it, it's starting to. You know, I, I think there's a conception that in 2020, millennial men are out there doing all these progressive things. By far and large, they are not yet. It's not, you know, anywhere close to a significant number of them. You hear about pockets. Oh, he's taking a one-month pat leave or a two-month or little bits and pockets of that. But Mm. I bet if I asked you to name a stay-at-home father, you would be hard-pressed to find one. Yeah, zero, right? Exactly. And that's not to say everyone needs to be that to be that. It's simply to say that the pendulum is so far on one side that for it to feel anywhere resembling that center ground, there would need to be that pendulum swing the other way. And so what's been interesting about this time is I think everyone's been grappling with this at home as you're trying to juggle and manage all those things is I think there will be a greater empathy for that. I certainly am seeing a shift in conversation about the understanding of importance of childcare and the value of that (laughs) coming to the forefront in a very, very tangible way. And I think that is good. Okay, further down the rabbit hole we go. Love that. Um, and I completely agree. From a business perspective, because I, I think we both think a lot about mm. um, um, entrepreneurs and, and creating new businesses and creating economic opportunity. So from, from an economic opportunity standpoint, how might you suggest that the dynamic of parenting shift so that it can more equally favor, I'll just say be more equal. Um, because right now, from my understanding, it it's a huge burden um, 
to do exactly what you just did. And that's why that question around like, how the heck did you give birth and be the CEO of this company and do it so well? So how do you, how might the parental relationship change in order to better support women? I don't know if that's even a valid question. Hmm. You know, I'll answer it from kind of an economic and business perspective then. So first of all, we can know all the data around it. And data is important in so that it roots us in the reality. So we can know, for example, the data that if uh, women were to be able to participate in entrepreneurship to the same degree as men, so that means access to capital, etc., which, by the way, women in Canada receive 6% of venture capital. Right. Period, six percent single digit. Another statistic to know is if we increase, if they equally participated, the Canadian economy would grow by something like 150 billion. It's a McKinsey stat. You can look it up. I'm sure I got the numbers slightly wrong, but generally ballpark. <laughs> give it that plus minus a billion. Um, we know that for every 10 percent increase in women working, there's a five percent increase in wages. We know that women wow. entrepreneurs disproportionately higher three like 75 percent higher invest in their communities beyond just investing in their businesses. So we could root ourselves in that data and numbers. And data is so arbitrary and it's numerical, it doesn't have that emotional attachment for us to actually see change happen. In the office, I think parenthood, I think, and I was going to say motherhood, but it's not just motherhood, it's it's parents. So it's individuals who have been um, on the home front for a significant, significant period of time. It's a freaking superpower. You are so mm. productive <laughs> when you have only so much time to get things done. You get so laser focused, both in terms of what you need to do, but in terms of what matters and what you're going to focus on. It is mm. such a superpower. Um, it brings clarity. Also, if you've ever negotiated with a three or a four year old, Oh, like, hands down, you'll win any argument. The best business management book that exists out there is called How to Talk to Your Little Kids So They Will Listen. Seriously, the techniques in there are phenomenal. Make sure the other person is heard. Acknowledge their feelings. Repeat what you're hearing them say. Oh, I hear you're frustrated about this situation at work. Tell me more. Like, right. it's, it's all so... Uh, so applicable. And so if we can begin to actually value that, if we can actually begin to say, hey, I see the value that you bring. And then secondly, a sidebar conversation is let's also pay for all of this because the care economy right. is so underpaid, aka undervalued, because money right now is how our society has placed value. It said more money equals more value. That's our perception of it. That's how we're going to assign value to it. And so unless we get that changed, then that's not going to change. Right. And however, we can take another angle on that and say, well, yeah, money's our common language. We get that. We care about these things like, for instance, the caring economy or, or equal opportunity or uh, anything in climate. Or, we say, this is the right thing to do. And we know it's the right thing to do. Everyone knows it's the right thing to do. Right. We, we can't, that's generally understand it, understood. However, we don't act in that way. And so I think there's an opportunity that, that is here for female entrepreneurs to seize and say, hey, listen, I get it. You say you care, your actions, like the like everyone, every PR is going to say, yes, equal opportunity. And yet, like venture capital funding, 6%. So there's a disparity there. Mm -hmm. So why don't we take another um, approach here and say, hey, listen, numbnuts, sorry, 
my words, not yours. Um, <laughs> why don't we think about this and we say, all right, how much can we add to the economy here? Right. What, how can we boost our bottom line by giving these people opportunities? And so the question I pose to you is, what is the opportunity that is underlying here from a business perspective if we unlock the female entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, it's billions, right? Like, look look up any of the McKinsey stats, the world, um, the, what is the other organization that put up really good stats around this? I can send these over to you no later, you can, whatever. Um, we also know that women provide higher returns on investments. So there was a study done, call it within the last three to four years, that showed that for, let me get this right. For every dollar invested, a uh, woman-led business returned 87 cents on the dollar versus an all-male team would return right. 34 cents on the dollar or something like you, that. Yeah, you put that on your gala. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, stuff. yeah. And so these are all significant. And these are not new. We have known yeah. these for a while. And so, you know, part of it here, I hear what you are saying. Like, let's convince with the data and the numbers. Ah. Right, <laughs> right. And how about, how about, what if, what would it be like if we worked with those who got it? Right. What if we brought the people to the table who said, yeah, I get it. Yes, I'm walking the talk on this. Yes, I'm investing. And we worked with them and we proved it by winning over here. And then over here, they're going to look at it and go, what is happening over mm -hmm. there? How is that? How is that working? What is, why, what is going on? You know, I was talking to someone who was doing this great uh, analysis on Canadian companies and looking at gender parity within businesses. And they came back with this data and they were perplexed by it. And it was an all-male team. But they were perplexed <laughs> by why majority of the businesses that had no gender pay equity problem were run by women. <laughs> huh. Right. What's up with that? Yeah, That's and weird. so and so you know, I think what we're talking about here is like is it the carrot dangle approach or is it the hit with the baton in the back approach? Like which one are you taking? And I think there's a time and place for one or the other Jesus. and there's a time and place to go we're going to go over here and we're going to work with the people who are truly believing in it um and walk the talk in that. Okay. I love it. So I've talked a lot on this podcast about Value is great. Value is amazing. But what is more important than value is how you communicate the, the value. Mm. Because it doesn't matter how great the value is. If it doesn't get communicated, it's worth nothing. Mm. And so if I take that concept and put it in the, concept, the context of this conversation, it's mm -hmm. like, well, how do we frame what's the messaging? And I guess it's digital messaging now. Like what's the narrative that you're trying to put out there um, to, again, whether it's, you know, dangle the carrot or beat with a baton, amazing anecdotes there. That's amazing. Um, but like, what's, what's the digital narrative? What's the, the story that you're telling around this? That's like, what's the approach you personally are taking and why are you taking that approach? I take the approach of putting the stories forward that matter. So I want to hear the stories of the women who are leading. I want to hear the impact they are having. I want to know that, 
87% of the women who start businesses are doing it with a social purpose in mind, that they're integrating social impact into their business supply chain, that they're thinking local from the get-go. You know, I was talking to a woman entrepreneur who runs a huge, huge uh, design clothing manufacturing company based in Quebec, and she's a second-generation entrepreneur. Her father started the business. She's been running it for a number of years, <clears throat> and when COVID hit, Within five days, she went from a 700-person company to a seven-person company. No. And within five days, was producing Health Canada-approved face shields for hospitals in the Quebec area and directly oh to gosh. doctors who, were not, who weren't uh, before that able to work because they didn't have access to PPE. Wow. I asked her, beyond the mindset of agility and adaptability and doing the thing that's right, what enabled them to do it? And she, she said that a core principle and a core belief they've always had in the business and she stands by so firmly is keeping at least a strong portion of their manufacturing locally. So they didn't have to depend on what was happening over in China or India to get any sourcing or for shipment or for anything. Their warehouse is literally down their street and they're able to do it. And when I hear of businesses and of women who are running their businesses with those principles and values integrated, that to me makes sense. And what I want people to know is I want people to know why they do it and why it matters and the impact that that then has. I think those are the stories. And when we can connect those stories to the individual and we see how it makes sense, then we get it. Right. I, I want I want to agree with you but uh, <laughs> but but and and I do truly agree with you but I just I see I see I see the world I see the world as it is and and what the message I think we're both saying is you know hey listen you can have your cake and eat it too you can be better for the world and it's going to be better for your business I get it. I've built my you know financial career on that and and then I and then I look at human behavior and it mm. and it's not that and so I think there's something we're missing here we're not getting it. We're not having mass adoption. Um, I think one of the one of the effects of COVID is gonna have is going to be um, localization of supply chains, which is mm-hmm. amazing, and that's something that we've been preaching for a long time. Because again, um, you know, we're seeing the effects of it. We look at um, if you act in a socially responsible way, you're going to mitigate risk. You're going to have less business risk. Um, that's incredible, um, and and soon you're going to have higher profitability. So. Anyways, I, I, I digress, and, and but I, but I, I, I really do think we're missing something here, and and because we don't have mass adoption, and and I just want to have mass adoption. <laughs> I want to have my way. Um, but but we, I think we have to think about what does it take for mass adoption to happen. I mean, take any take any kind of curve. Take take the technology curve. You have the early adopters, and it takes something to go through the mass adoption curve, right? Mm-hmm upending our entire systems. I mean, you know, in Canada, we're certainly in a place of privilege and still challenged a lot. But you look as far as down in the States, their healthcare systems are being upended. That Like everything is just being thrown on its head. We, um, we're in times where we are individually questioning our ways of being, but we're also looking around us. And I think for many people, for the first time ever, they are seeing the connectivity of these systems and they are seeing the connectivity of it back to themselves. And, you know, what does it mean that people aren't allowed to come into Canadian borders? Okay, hold on, wait, we need immigration to flow so that we have people planting seeds 
for a crop in the spring and summer so that we have food to eat next fall and next spring? And what does that mean? So it takes the ability to see ourselves and our place within these systems and within these broader um, these broader places of networking and place being. It takes seeing ourselves in it, seeing that possibly being compromised and being forced into a situation of evaluating all of that, right? And what you're saying is, hey, that should have already been happening. Why hasn't it been happening? It is so obvious. My blinders have been off for so long. But we also know, Joss, that as people, we have such dis-ease with uh, with change and with being placed into discomfort and with not having things around us we have we have this desire to to control things around us and we think that everything has been upended now things is everything is always upended there's it's never been calm or status quo around us something could have happened to you in any moment's time we just fabricate this sense of normalcy and calmness and control around us and now we're in a time where all of a sudden we're realizing how fabricated (laughs) it has all been and where we're kind of facing it um, with this sense of both urgency and intensity. And uh, it's challenging, I think, a lot of narratives for it. And that is probably what it takes is a collective, um, a collective disruption. Yeah. Disruption, change, impermanence, right? These are, these are all opportunities. Anytime there's volatility in one way or another, there's an opportunity there. Change creates opportunity. Um, and that speaks more to the money that's to be made, um, the industries that are to be created, the um, jobs that are to be created. So, yeah, does it take a disruption? I guess. I guess. I just my, – my youth wants me, my juvenile brain – wants me to just shake the shit out of people um but anyways that's that's a that's That's great and do that i mean what stop don't 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 let the fact that that hasn't happened or hasn't worked in a way you would have wanted to stop you from that that's what it needs right that i think we need those um you know I'll liken it to we live in, you know, on in Vancouver, close to Vancouver Island. I'll liken it to that big earthquake that is coming our way, the big one. And what we know to be true from science is that there are constantly little ones happening that are shaking up those tectonic plates. And so those little things continuously, continuously happen and need to happen. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a really good analogy. That's awesome. Um, And I don't mean to be over here being all like social justice warrior, blah, 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 blah. But it's just oh, like, hey, I'm you with know. you. I am with you. I am re-listening to the book Winners t- Winners Take All. Have you oh, read or listened I to that not. book? No. Oh, you might need like a big bottle of scotch to get you through it because okay. it will be <laughs> right. it, it will it, it it will speak to your social justice heart and it may amp up and fuel your frustration. <laughs> However, <laughs> it is a very good book to remind ourselves to question what we think we know to be true and how things have come about and how the systems that we benefit from, that we have privilege thanks to, um, what they mean and what they have created or perhaps some unintended or intended consequences around those. Yeah, yeah, super interesting. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to ask you uh, to to where you really have your feet on the ground here. And that is, um, you know, women entrepreneurs and, and, and small business. 
And I wanted to, you know, because our audience is, you know, predominantly female and everyone in the movement challenge is, you know, a ton of, a ton of females are over there and in our audience and, and, uh, uh, outstanding amount of trainers and entrepreneurs, like everyone is, is doing their own thing. And I wanted to, um, you know, pass the mic to you in a little bit and, and just kind of get your take on, I mean, we're recording this It's the start of May. This is going to come out next week. Um, I could ask, you know, I was asking Dr. Roger Wong on our last podcast, like, where are we at with this whole thing? And, and uh, in terms of, of a pandemic, and I wanted to ask you, where the hell are we at in terms of small businesses and how we're thinking? Because, you know, uh, we can look back over the last month and go, okay, that's how this played out. That's how we were thinking about it at this time. And I want to go to today, to this week, to next week and go, what are we doing, small business? What the heck is going on? Yeah, I think I'll first start off by saying it is hard and that I am so sorry that we are here. It is really, it, it's it's challenging to hear the stories of entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who've been running their businesses for a while, whose, whose visions, whose plans for growth, whose savings whose communities have suddenly but just been swept up from under their feet. I am continuously in awe of how many of them are trying to show up, are persevering, are figuring out what is the next right step that they can do that will help them survive. I know many who uh, are not have not already are not going to continue their business and many are wondering when the inevitable will happen and i know many who are pivoting and have been able to do so and are shifting gears entirely and are trying to um create a new a new create a new um and so where are we i think really depends on that is this has this a business that perhaps was already struggling and now is facing the inevitable? Is this a business that was just starting out and that was just on that growth path and perhaps starting fundraising and starting building and all of a sudden there is no there is no up to go for the time being? Is this a business that has been around for a while and is able to pivot or transition? And I think um I think one of the one of the things that entrepreneurs can really remember is who they are in this. And that is something that it, it is what gives me hope is that the what may change for a lot of people, the what they're doing, but the ability to persevere, to dig into grit, to be agile, to be creative. If we can get out of our free fear brains and get into a place of options and reality, and we can move into that, I have no doubt our small business owners and entrepreneurs will eventually be okay because of who they are and the kinds of people that they are, you know, especially ones that are so community minded and are so focused on these values that they live and breathe in their businesses every day. I've kind of gone off track a little bit. What was your question again, Joss? <laughs> my 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 question is, and I'll rephrase a little bit now. And I, I want to know. Actually, let's throw it out the door. I want to know for you right now. I, I want to know what you're seeing. I want to know what you're seeing from right. businesses, and if there's anything that you can identify as that's a right move, 
Can I say mm-hmm. that? And that's a wrong move. How can we go right and how can we go wrong here? What's your thoughts around that? Right, right. Um, and I'm a big believer in non-binary, no right, no wrong, because right. it's circumstantial. Like, oh. so, so what I'll say is uh, what is helpful for many entrepreneurs that I am observing is firstly being rooted in reality. And that often can be really uncomfortable, which is literally looking at, you know, what is my money in my bank account? What do I need to get out the door every day? What are my payables? What are my receivables? Very, you know, quote unquote, mundane, boring business admin stuff. And being rooted in that reality allows us to uh, move from that place and make a, a make make the right decisions then based on that circumstance. Um, So first of all, being rooted in reality. um, And then secondly, getting into the place of place of options. So moving from that mindset of that scarcity of that reactivity and into a place of response. So now that I know, how shall I respond? How shall I be? Um, Tangibly, a lot of businesses are trying to figure out the right cash flows to do. You know, I think anyone who's trying to forecast beyond anyone who's been impacted by this, um, who's trying to forecast beyond the next three-ish months, I question the validity of that. I think everything that I'm hearing and seeing from big companies to government, etc., the best assumptions that can be made now are as conservative as possible because right. the ripple effects for people's individual financial circumstances. Uh, you know, looking at the number of people who applied for EI, for example, if you actually think about it, what that means is that people will not have the money to spend. And so sure, businesses might reopen. Who's going to go? What will that look like? And so I think we kind of need to think through those ripples. And I think what you can do yourself, what you can uh, do to best serve yourself is to be conservative where you know uh, where you need to be, um, because then the upswing is the upswing. And so you're able to at least root, root yourself in that reality, um, and make that decision, make those decisions from that place, first of all. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, there's a saying, I think it's from Warren Buffett, where it's like, when the tide goes out, you can see you swimming naked, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, who, who made the right decisions when times were good? Who mm. figured out their cash flows when times were right. good? Who stayed disciplined when times were good? And, you know, that's something that I, you know, with the clients that I work with, I'm like, listen, the reality is, is we have no idea. And I would say this, um, you know, in October or November and say, listen, World War Three could break out. A global pandemic could break out. Whatever could break out. We have no idea. Like uncertainty is everywhere. Let's act responsibly right now, right? And let's not be fearful. I'm not trying to inflict fear, but I'm saying mm. let's be responsible right now. Um, for you, what uh, what are some of the lessons that you've learned or the revelations that you've had that this time has brought to you in the past couple of months? Where has your learnings been in this? Mm. Mm. It's a good question, Joss, and I don't know if I'm a place of learnings yet. I feel like mm. where 
I mean, what? I don't even know how many days it's been. Time, time, that's a good learning. Time is so bizarre in these times. Um, but what I think about a lot right now is simple things. So I think about what is the next right thing? Not what the next, 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 next right thing is, but what is the next most immediate first right thing? I think about that when I'm talking to my team. I think about that when I'm talking to my board. I think about that when I think about how to spend my time. Like I think about that literally in the most granular way. What is the next right thing? And I think that is serving me well right now. I am thinking about what will I remember of this time? Uh, One of the things I've been doing, there've been two things that I've been doing every single day and however many, I don't know, it's been like 50 days, 80 days. I don't, I, I don't even I know. Don't know. What, Somewhere who, between who 50 and 80, Some. I think. Yeah. Um, is I've been going on a walk with my kids every morning and doing like a two minute check-in with myself and them on video. And then I've been banging pots at seven o'clock every night. Bam, 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 right. Bam. And so I think about, you know, if I look back on this time and all I can say is that I thought about the next right thing in a conversation with someone in what we do at FWE in how I spend my time and I shut up every morning with some semblance of presence, however that looks like or felt like, and I expressed gratitude, which is what my seven o'clock is. I express gratitude and I pray. I think what I can learn from that then is that those are the things that will matter and if I look back and I have made no huge decisions that have led to anything huge and significant, though I certainly hope that, you know, something like that comes out or that we've created value and deeply engaged and purposed. But if we can come back to those things, um, those are a pretty good foundation and those would Heck be a pretty yeah. good foundation for going forward, I think. That's such a great baseline. That's such a great personal baseline to come back to, right? Um yeah, it's such great culture too, like personal culture. Like we talk mm. about culture and corporate culture and these things, but like what's the what's the culture of Paulina Cameron? That's mm. a good culture um, mm. as, as far as I can tell. You know what? Why don't we go down that route as well? Like, you know, I, I know fairly intimately a lot of uh, or a couple of your uh, employees at FWE and all, they all love working there. And I wanted to ask their leader, how do you create such an abundant positive good culture what is a good like culture is this weird word overused to the nines but you clearly figured it out what does that mean to you and how are you approaching it because your personal culture is pretty damn good i would love to ask the team to answer that (laughs) can we call call a friend and dial them in and i say that because here's the thing yes culture is an overused word At its simplest, culture is just the behavior of everyone in those individual moments. So culture is the behavior of when you see someone slump down in in front of their computer, do you go by and say, hey, do you need a tea or a hug? I I can tell you on a weekly, sometimes daily basis, I will hear someone talking about something in the office or not even, and then all of a sudden I hear, it sounds like you need a hug. Do you need a hug? that's that is what culture makes it's um it's someone saying i'm so overwhelmed i don't even know where to begin uh and someone else saying great let's walk through how can we create a plan for you what can we do right it's i truly believe it lives and breathes in the behaviors and how we show up for one another and so what how do we do that how do we bring that to life um 
we we are certainly not perfect. And I think there are a few things that we do that work. We do a daily check-in with one another and we do that. Uh, we use a, a word and a number. And I, I learned that from a great mentor of mine. So the word is describe how you're feeling in one word and the number is your energy level. So if I were to show up to a meeting one day and I said, I'm a three and I'm overwhelmed, we're probably going to spend a decent amount of time at that meeting collectively talking about how to support you. Uh, if I say, you know, I'm a 10 and I'm inspired, then then awesome. Great. Uh, and it. we dive into it. We make space for each of those. Um, I, my philosophy around working has always been we are focused on doing good work. What I will end uh, end having a strengths based uh, strengths based workplace, and so we invest in our team's professional development and personal development. You know, this year we I know you've interviewed Devin Brooks. We invested mm-hmm. for the team to utilize Sphere. That was our awesome. way of supporting everyone, and so everyone is able to use it every month and support their own growth because that to me is incredibly important. Is making sure that the team feels like they are growing and connected and engaged. I love when team members work and collaborate with each other across whatever they're working on. You know, during these COVID times, but not even during this these COVID times, flexible work is what works. And I believe if you know you want to work at eight PM because that is when your energy flow is, or you want to work at six AM, great, <laughs> great, cool. do the good work and follow and follow on that. And I do think that it helps that. The work that we do feels tremendously rewarding and we see the impact that it has. And so we have that immediate feedback loop that we're able mm-hmm. to get. And, you know, the team is so energized whenever we walk away from something like an E-series or a pitch for the purse. It's uh, that connectivity of that energy flowing back and forth of that giving and that generosity is such yeah. a strong fuel. Yeah, I love it. It's one of the reasons why I love chatting with you, Pauline, is that you have this this aside from being a podcast veteran, everyone go check out the FWE <laughs> go too. Um, we'll link that in the show notes, but you have this, you have this way of operating in the clouds and the dirt, right? Like your philosophical high level and then <laughs> you're on the, the ground like tactical, <laughs> you know? And it's like, thank you, you know, because so many people are one way or the other way. And if they're highly tactical, you're like, yeah, but what does this all mean? And if you're highly <laughs> philosophical, you're like, but what does this mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You what know? does it mean? Um, and so I, I love, um, I really, really love that balance there. Um, is there anything more from a um, tactical standpoint? You Again, I, really, I we, we were very, very high level here. Is there anything that you really want to put, uh, put out to the world uh, in terms of entrepreneurs, whether that's resources or thoughts or advice or, or maybe common things you're telling some of the entrepreneurs that are in your circle? Hmm. I think firstly, there are resources. And I know that sounds so silly to say just like that. However, so many entrepreneurs still say that they feel lonely or that they do not know where to go for help or that they don't know how to figure it out or that they feel like they have to have all the answers. And those are all myths. Those are all things that we have either been told to believe or narratives that we think imply that that's what we need to be in order to be a successful entrepreneur, that being a successful entrepreneur means you're figuring out on your own, that you're on a lonely island or 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 any of these things. And they simply aren't true. They're just false narratives that have been created and that you believe. And the resources out there are significant. So anything from if you need help 
figuring out how to raise money for your business, if you need uh, a mentorship advice, if you want to work on a business plan, there is so much out there. And I'm so happy to take specific questions around that and kind of point people to different resources. There are specific groups for women entrepreneurs that are amazing um, that we often collaborate with. So there truly is uh, ways to get supported. And most of the organizations that I know in this space are really collaborative and work really well together. And so all it takes is going, hey, I'm looking for X, Y, Z. And most of us are all just collectively happy to say, great, check this out, check this out, check this out. Um, and so I think never has there been a time where you before, there's always, it has always been the right time to utilize resources that exist. And now it is so important to be asking for that help and doing so. Um, and secondly, you know, what I talk with a lot of women entrepreneurs about, but entrepreneurs broadly too, is this whole idea of taking care of yourself, but in the vein of taking care of yourself and your business. And what I mean by that is building a definition of success that will serve you and your family and your business well. So the whole narrative around to be successful in business means you have to have this kind of a growth or it has to look this way is just that. It is just a story. It is just a narrative. And so what I wish there were more conversations about is what do you want success to look like for yourself? What do you want success to look like for your community, for the world, for your family, and how do you build your business around that? As opposed to business success equals $5 million, venture capital backed. This is what you're doing. This is the box you're fitting into. Then over here, maybe somewhere all the way over here, <laughs> you get to figure out everything else. And right. somehow you figure out how to reconcile all of that. Um I think now's the time where we get to take inventory and take stock of what has worked and hasn't worked in regards to that and apply those lessons going forward. Amazing. Um, great, great segue. Before we get into the, the, the questions from the movement community, I got to ask then, what does success look like for FWE? What's the mm. goal? The goal is that women, Canadian women entrepreneurs run wildly successful businesses. That means they have the resources to do so. And the resources include everything from education, community, capital. They have what they need to be able to do so. And that's not to say we are the only place for it or the only conduit for it, but we're able to help support them with that and facilitate that happening for them. So when we design our programs, every single one of our programs, we look from an impact metric perspective. So we say, if we run E-Series, how will we define success for this? How will we be able to say this program was successful? That is not one of the metrics for that is not X number of people attended. The mm. metrics of success for that are as a result of this, how many more women was this? How many more jobs was this? Is this business able to create? What is the revenue growth? How much capital capital did they raise as a consequence of it? Would they recommend someone to take this program? Would they say this is the reason why they're able to grow their business? We look at the actual impact. What is the subsequent piece that enabled the business's growth? That's the way we look at it. Um, so for us, it's creating, building, and designing programs that are able to have that impact that we're able to measure so that then when we look at our women entrepreneurs in our community, we go, wow, this is amazing. This is what they get to do. Okay, I'm going to stop, I swear. But um, what is one story 
success story that has resonated with you personally that has been contributed to from FWE? One. That's like One. asking my favorite child. Maybe two. <laughs> I'll listen to five if you have it. <laughs> oh, I have like 50. <laughs> Give me a sec to think about this. No, it's all, I, I know. And, and, now every, and, and now I put you in the spot where everyone's going to be mad. Oh, man, she mentioned this one on ThinkSpace. She mentioned that one on ThinkSpace. What about me? I did X number yeah. in revenue. Why don't you love yeah. me, Paulina? Yeah, right? Maybe right? maybe maybe one that resonated with you you personally for for a different reason than well, and it's uh, funny you know, traditional. Well, as soon as you metrics. ask, my mind goes literally just goes blank. I know nobody all of a sudden, and that is not true. Um, oh gosh, no pressure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Here's a great one. I love this one. Uh, so I met her. I'll give you two, and I'll give you our p- two. They're both pitch for the purse semifinalists, uh, okay. or sorry, finalists. So one's from last year, one's from this year. And I'm giving you the stories of the ones who were not winners. Okay. Only because they're different stories than the winners, which you can read everywhere. And I love all of them. All of them. All of the stories. All my kids are equal. All my kids are equal. So um, Copper Medical is the name of the business. And oh. the business is started by an entrepreneur. And she's actually an ICU nurse based out in Toronto. And she created hospital wear that uses copper in it because copper is highly antibacterial. It's like 99.9% antibacterial. So what was what is what she knows, and now we're seeing, we're knowing this even more actually in the times of COVID, but this is last year, is germ spread on the clothing of doctors and nurses and folks who perform procedures in hospitals. And she also has a... Um, uh, background in sports and so a lot of sports clothing is actually made with copper wicking materials to keep sweat away and bacteria from that cool. she combined both of the worlds and so she started producing scrubs and gowns that use copper wicking properties and materials i love that because it speaks to the ingenuity of it and addressing the immediate need of it and she's a 24 year old icu nurse oh not 24? someone yeah not someone who you go this is an entrepreneur this is this and she pitched in front of the 800 person audience and did phenomenally and had so many a powerful 2800 person audience by the yeah, way yeah and had so a many powerhouse. people you know so excited to invest in her and to look at it and so i love it because it's unexpected and it's really solutions oriented. And it's not someone who you typically see as the quote unquote, you know, defined entrepreneur. My other example is similar in that vein, in that kind of undefinedness. <laughs> um, and that is an entrepreneur who's based in Alberta. And she started a technology company called Farmbucks. She's a farmer. She inherited her farm from her parents when they passed away when she was 19 years old. And uh, 
grain commodity pricing is nuts. It's unregulated. It's all over the place. You can't, it's not a visible process. You can't see it or or get access to it anywhere. So she basically created, um, I think she, her tagline for it is like the Expedia of grain right. pricing. Again, driven from a very specific need. And what one of the quotes that I loved that she told me, uh, so she's based about an hour and a half outside of Edmonton. Uh, and she, I asked her what, how her, like, does she have a community? Is she really well supported? And she goes, I'm a farmer based an hour and a half outside of Edmonton. I'm a blonde, young, 32 year old. No, <laughs> I know nobody. I have no entrepreneurial community. <laughs> nice. I love um, it. and so, you know, when I think about the women who have gone through our programs, oh my gosh, there's so many. And it that the power of the community that comes together and that tangible, tangible support and the way they're able to speak about it. I mean, there's so many other stories. You have stories like Tara Bosch of Smart Suites, who right. was 24 when she started it, is now a multi-million dollar company across selling across uh, North America. And I think she's in Europe now. I don't know. She's all over. Smart Suites, delicious. So um, there's so many powerful stories. And those are as equally powerful as... You know, a woman who runs a salon in a, a hair salon in a small community who, thanks to the community and the education, is able to open perhaps one more location and serve more jobs in her community and feel stronger about the work she's doing. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. These are great. Um, and I love seeing those pictures, too, at the gala and all these different types of things. Like, it's just like, man, the world, The one of the most fun things about business is that we're making shit better. <laughs> like we're, we're solving problems. Anyways, that's great. Um, couple of questions for the movement community right here and we'll wrap up because I'm already over time um, and the team's going to kill me for this one. But a um, couple of questions that we got from the movement community. So if you guys don't know already, every guest that we do on the movement challenge, uh, which is actually gearing up for a round two, which is not just going to be based in Vancouver. It's not going to be based all over North America. Uh, you guys can dive into that. We'll link that in the show notes as well. But we threw some questions out to you guys and or we asked for some questions from you guys and we asked for some questions uh, from the ThinkSpace family as well. And we got two of them here. Uh, first one here for you, Paulina, is uh, if you were now open to uh, if you were now going to open a business from scratch, what would it be? Something to do with children and education and play. Okay. Why that? Because I think the way I think there's a, a big opportunity to shift the way we do education for children. And I think there is a big need for that. And um yeah, and I've been isolated with my kids for I don't know how many <laughs> days. And so Anything that will help with that, I would be so into and I would be allocating funds towards. I love it. I love it. Um, our second question from the, from the Movement Fam is, uh, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, but what are the most important resources for small business owners now? And is it different for female entrepreneurs? Um, I know you said uh, we touched on a couple uh, use cases, you know, businesses that are in different stages. Um, and you mentioned, you know, a couple of resources off the top of your head. But what's most important that uh, people should be looking at right now? Okay, so let's assume, let's talk about the BC Vancouver audience. 
for this. So a great place for resources uh, is Small Business BC. They do a number of educational and obviously now virtual um, webinars, tangible resources, etc. You have Women's Enterprise Centre, which does loan funds and Mm. um, educational resources. We work with them a lot on the loan fund. If you're based in BC and Vancouver, one of the uh, one of the places that I think has been doing a really good job in responding to the needs at, in a way that they are actually needed and useful has been Van City. They've created loans and programs for everyone from folks who are in the gig economy to business owners in a really smart, smart way. And it's very accessible funding. I think what they were doing is brilliant and is so needed. So if I was a small business owner and I needed access to capital, I would 100% be going to them. Um... Hopefully you're utilizing all the things that the federal government has put in place. I know some people have been really hesitant to take out additional debt. And I think for many, that is really wise. And I will say, we're going to be in this for the long run. This is going to be a marathon, not a sprint in terms of the long-term economic impact of it. So get what you can now. And what I mean by that is before your credit score gets a hit, apply for your line of credit, apply for the loan. Don't use the money, don't put money on your credit card, don't put money on your line of credit, but get it before your credit is shot. Hopefully it doesn't come to that, but get it when you can. There's always that saying, it's easy to get money when you don't need it, hard to get money when you do. Yeah. So apply for the things, you know, the 40,000 Government of Canada loan, 10,000 10, of that is going to be forgivable, which basically means it's a $10,000 grant. Think about how you're going to use that, like use it to make money, invest in either your own education, invest in a technology platform that's going to help you be more resourceful in the future. You know, people are moving online. When you're moving online, think about how to actually make that sustainable. Don't just move it online for the next month, but make it work for you in the long run. So use that money smartly and it can really serve you well. That is great advice. Thank you for that. Um, Amazing. If someone just listened to this and they go, holy Paulina, FWE, I got questions. We got to talk. Where would you like to send people? So for all things FWE, you can go to all the socials at FWE Canada and we will, this airs right next week. Awesome. So right around when this is airing. So it's either happening today as you're listening to this or tomorrow, we are announcing a program we'll be bringing to you early June, all around supporting you with your resilience. It will be free and accessible and open to all. So go to our website or socials uh, to learn more. And for all things me and my cute, cute children, Adorable. I'm over... I can vouch, I can vouch. <laughs> I'm at Paulina A. Cameron. Amazing. Paulina, thank you so much for your time. We will link everything in the show notes and good luck. Good luck with everything. It's a marathon, not a sprint, as you said. And, you know, I can't wait to see uh, you, your organization, um, whenever the other side of this is. And I can't wait to see how um, skilled and weathered you guys are going to be and and truly, truly resilient and how much better you're going to be. So thank you for everything that you do. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Joss. It was great to be here and the hugs will be so good. That was a damn good podcast. You know it was a good freaking podcast. Um, I felt great about that one. Paulina, thanks for coming on. Listen, everyone, um, if you're a female entrepreneur, go check out FWE. They have a ton of resources. We'll link everything in the show notes. That's on thinkspacepodcast.com slash Paulina dash Cameron. Everything's going to be there. 
just go check that out. Um, go check out The Go-To, which is a, a podcast for, you know, a resource for female entrepreneurs. Amazing, amazing podcast. And also just go check out Paulina's personal Instagram. Go see what she's posting and how she's feeling. She's very uh, authentic and transparent on her socials, which is a breath of fresh air. Um, anyways, we'll link all that stuff in the show notes. Really appreciate you guys uh, as always. Everyone from Movement, yo, listen, I'm going to take you from Movement, which is great. We're going to stay with Movement. But we're also going to get on this think space train. It's crazy, man. I think music is now going to be replaced by podcasts. It is for me personally. I know it's a lot for it is for a lot of people around me. So you guys need new podcasts to listen to. I get it. Long form, long form content that you can listen to while you're doing your cardio, while you're going to work, while you're in transit, while you're doing things around the house. And listen, I'm a big fan of, you know, Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss. But listen get tired of those guys voice you know you need something local and i'm here to give that to you anyways movement family go check out our back uh our back catalog there's a lot of amazing amazing podcasts over there for you guys and subscribe rate like all that stuff i mean i don't really know what you're supposed to do but just engage and what i what i personally want you to do is to dm me is to message me is to email me with questions and follow-ups and hey joss why didn't you ask such and such um, about this, that, and the other. Hey, have you thought about this? We want to expand thought. We want to grow. We want to explore the human growth experience and and engagement and collaboration is a lot of what that's about. And, and that's where a lot of my joy, you know, comes from in life is, is engaging with you guys. So anyways, lots of love. Paulina, amazing podcast. Um, really, really excited. Everyone go check out FWE. And until next week, Congrats on the movement challenge, my friends. We have round two coming up here, and I will see you at home doing workouts then. Ciao.